Hey guys, thanks for listening. This is um, an extremely long episode of Just Giants, so we actually broke this in half. So it's not a very graceful split, but we covered a, a lot of topics about the Giants head coaching search, including wildcard weekend and, and, and all that stuff, and really none of it was worth cutting from, from our perspective. So um you're listening to part one. Part two is coming tomorrow. Without further ado, Just Giants. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Oh, hey, Grump. How's it going? Happy New Year. Uh, another off season of no giant football, no giant playoff football, but uh, Last weekend was fun watching the playoffs. I had a good time watching those wildcard games. Last weekend was the best, I would say, three and a half games of football I've watched consecutively in a very long time. The yeah. second half of that Eagles-Seahawks game, I was actually falling asleep at my computer. So, <laughs> but, but, you know, up until halftime, that was on par with everything else we were watching from the weekend. And it's really strange, but because usually wild card weekend, you know, the home teams are usually, well, they're the higher seed. Yeah, but they may not be as good. I mean, you may, uh, we have examples. You may have a wild card team that has 11 or 12 wins playing a division winner that has nine or eight wins. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a wacky weekend normally, and I think these uh, these games lived up to the hype, and it was it was fun. It was it was outstanding, and three of the of the four home teams lost. Yeah, that's to my point a little bit. Well, that you know, home field advantage has seemed to have gone away in the NFL. You know, it's just there's so many away fans now in these games because of StubHub and and, and ways to get tickets. The newer stadiums are. Ticket prices are so expensive. You you've priced out the hardcore fans. So, um, well, and I mean, also there, there are it's, certain... easier, it's easier to travel too. It's not like it used to be where teams were flying coach commercial. You know, it's it's not that big deal to travel as much anymore. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all that. I do think that there are like I don't know, maybe five built-in home field advantages that are just tough places to play. Seattle was one of them. Kansas City's got to be another. But one of them is definitely New Orleans, and it was very loud at that game. I mean, like, you could see Kirk Cousins is really screaming his head off, trying to call out audibles. You know, he had his hands clasped over his helmet to hear the radio. You know, I mean, it was loud on TV. And yeah. uh, I'm not going to say it didn't matter, but he managed to fight through it. It was actually very impressive for, from my standpoint. You know, it's another game where Sean Payton loses. And, uh, you know, yeah. I'm starting to wonder, you know, is he really a good coach? I mean, is, if, if he's somebody that hypothetically got fired tomorrow, would you want as the Giants head coach since we are, you know, knee deep in the coaching search uh, season right now for the Giants? You know, I don't know. I, I, I want to say – well, I say I pick up the phone and call him for an interview right away. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no question. But, I mean, you're right. I mean, he, he has such a close relationship with a specific particular quarterback that I don't even know. You know, I'm not really sure how much of it is him, how much of it is Drew Brees, how much of it is them combined. And, you know, a lot of times they win because they just win by so much that his head coaching capabilities are not really on full display most of the time. I mean, right. his preparation work, I think we can agree, is otherworldly. 
I mean, he, mm-hmm. he is ready for every game. But the in-game decision-making is just sometimes horrendous. We, we've seen some horrible – this weekend there was a ton of head-scratching to straight-up bad coaching decisions. Oh, and yeah. I just don't understand what these guys are thinking You know, when you get into late into games. You know, I understand You know, there's a whole analytics revolution now of what – does it – does it make sense to punt versus go for it on fourth down at some points? You know, makes sense to kick the field goal versus go for it. But when you're getting down to the fourth quarter and the game is close and you're up by three or something, you want to leave the other team with as little amount of opportunities to win as possible. And your decision making is no longer about scoring points. It is about winning the game. And I just see time and time again these decisions that are made where I don't know if it's ego or what, where instead of punting to pin a guy deep, a team deep, or kicking to, to, to get the extra three points to you know make it an eight-point game or make it a two-possession game, you're seeing these decisions where we can put them away right now if we get you know the first down here or something. And that, that's not the way you're supposed to coach. You know, it, it it just – I don't know. I don't understand coaching anymore. I mean I think people try to look at their charts too much when sometimes common sense needs to take over. Yeah. I mean we saw it I think in just about every game this weekend, some poor head coaching decisions. Um, I mean the Houston-Buffalo game might be the greatest game of football I've ever watched with the worst coaching in it. Yeah. I mean that was just I, – I was so halfway torn between wanting to scream at the TV and then just being giddy like a little kid watching this game at, at the bar like like a child. <laughs> it's just the misuse of timeouts, the misuse of clock management, uh, You know, giving – again, you want to give the other team as few chances as possible if they have to get the ball back. And, you know, throwing on third down or something when you, you know, the other team, you know, it's hard for them to stop the ball. So they they save a timeout, you know, letting clocks run for the two minute warning, not factoring that as another chance to stop the clock. We saw so many examples over this weekend. It's like, how are these coaches, never mind in the NFL, how are they coaching playoff teams? The New Orleans one was truly bad. I'm sitting there. I, I thought that the. I legitimately thought that the broadcast crew had screwed up and was letting the clock run and like they just weren't I, – I don't know, getting the signal that it had been stopped. I couldn't believe that there was no timeout called and they let it run all the way down. Yeah. And then they wasted the two-minute warning on a change of possession. Right. I mean exactly. that, is, that is like high school it, – it's below high school. That is like peewee level football coaching right there. And those, that is very, very basic. The clock you see on your TV is tied indirectly to the scoreboard clock as well. I mean, that's, oh, uh, there's okay. a there's a box in every stadium where it is synced, where it is instantaneous what's going on on the scoreboard to what you're seeing on TV. So interesting, fun fact I yeah. did not know. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that was colossally bad. And so last year, I remember one of one of the interesting things that you said was that. As a whole, the NFL playoffs, which is watched by more than just your casual fan, more than even just fans. Sometimes you have, you know, wives and whatever are 
watching when they don't normally watch any other football. And you said mm-hmm. that from a PR standpoint, it was one of the worst NFL playoffs because it had a perfect storm of bad events. You had a devastating head injury in the playoffs, mm-hmm. um, a whole uh, an NFL officiating error, and mm-hmm. uh, we had a what the hell is a catch moment all in the same playoffs. Right. Do you think that anything like that happened this weekend at all? Anything from a bad – I mean I think there was a little bit of that. Right? Well, the not the not reviewing the pass interference in the end zone in the same um, New Orleans game, but not not at the level of how they got screwed last year. No, not, uh, especially that, when you consider that they had a chance to have more time on the clock to avoid a tie in the first place. Yeah, they almost I almost mean, don't even feel bad. The one that happened last year was something where non-football fans who didn't watch the game will know about it because it might be on Good Morning America or it's something where you see people at the water cooler on Monday talking about. That one yesterday was – or on Sunday was a little more – I think it was a lot more nuanced. I, the, the fact that it wasn't reviewed at all is a little bit Hour, you know what I mean? I, I don't like that it wasn't well, I mean, reviewed at all. But I mean, the, when I watch it again, I see two people hand fighting, and it's it's like really kind of minor, and I'm okay with a no call there. Let's remember this whole season, we've seen very very few overturns when there's a challenge. Mm-hmm. So, based on that, how reluctant officials are to overturn something for that with challenge, that reluctance to just review it is not surprising. Well, it's surprising to me that they actually didn't take into account the moment. It's a you know an overtime scoring play that ends the game in the playoffs. It's a monumental moment, and it's treated just as equally as everything else, which is, in my opinion, correct. It doesn't matter yeah. what the moment is. The play is right. the play. So, I mean, I was surprised that they did it from what I consider to be the correct standpoint, which is every play is equal. I mean, again, I've I've jumped on this bandwagon for as long as they've had replay, and I'll say it again: until you have the replay person, you know, in the booth, an equal partner with all the officials on the field, and has the opportunity at any point to buzz in and say, "I got a better look at this," or "I need to look at this again," you're going to have these questions and judgment that one side's going to feel screwed on opposed to the other. Absolutely. Because Instant because there's this should... this threshold of of overturning indisputable evidence, all that stuff is thrown out the window when they're equal parts. Exactly, and you know all we want is the right call, and you know when instant replay stops being a reactive tool and being a proactive tool, the odds of actually getting the right call called is not as great as it could be. So for everybody who hates replay and doesn't like how long it takes and, you know, something may look obvious, but because all of a sudden it has to have, you know, an evidence level equal to a murder trial, that, that people are going to be annoyed and don't think it's working. Yeah. And we also had a, a head injury. I believe it was a head injury anyway in, in terms well, of Carson, Carson Wentz. Wentz. got yeah. knocked out of the game, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, you know – my opinion, again, is a Tom Coughlin quote, right? Your roster is as good as your 53rd man. So 
I understand that maybe I don't agree with the hit. Um, but at the same time, the Eagles lost that game because they have a quarterback who gets injured often, does not really protect himself very well, and he is backed up by who was somebody who was essentially a high school football coach. Yeah. Was that that wasn't you I was talking to? So um, I don't know how true this is, but uh, my brother-in-law told me that he, Josh McCown, actually coaches his son's high school football team, like four days out of the week, and then flies in on Friday or some shit like that, for the weekend in Philadelphia. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. I mean, I I, I saw a tweet uh, yesterday from NBC Sports Philly, said something just unthinkable happened where Carson Wentz. It's like the unthinkable be that he finishes a game. The dude gets hurt every year. Mm-hmm. How is that unthinkable to the fact that he gets hurt? It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And and again, you know, I, I think the play was probably a little bit bullshit, but it's to say it was clear as day or anything more than a gray area is hyperbole. I mean, it's a bang bang play. You know, Clowney probably doesn't, but I mean, slide, dude. I, slide. Just fucking I looked slide. at it. I didn't think for one second there was any malicious intent in it. It just seemed to me just a. A football play and a guy got hit in the head. That happens. Yeah, you know, the, I'm surprised these things don't happen more often when you're in a scrum like that. You know, in, in all these plays. So, you know, it's, it's it's unfortunate that you know you play a whole season, you fight for two months to get into the playoffs, and your quarterback gets hurt. But you know something, nobody feels bad when it's your team. So it's kind of the, the unfortunately the way it goes. I mean, two years ago they won a Super Bowl because their backup quarterback took them. You know, all the way, and this year it, it didn't happen. So that's we live in a salary cap era where it's very hard to keep a very quality backup at all times. I mean, if there was no salary cap, Tom Brady is probably not the quarterback of the of the forty nine of the the uh, New England next year, almost guaranteed because Jimmy Garoppolo would be the starting quarterback, and the repercussions go throughout the entire league from that. But that's you know, we have a salary cap, and you can't spend a lot of money in your backup quarterback. It's it's the way it is. Yeah, and and uh, Doug Peterson was um, not exempt from stupid coaching as well, um, of going for it on fourth down, which I I don't understand since his defense was pretty much the only thing keeping him in the game. I mean, again, pinning people deep, getting sacks, turnovers. These are your strengths at this point. I don't understand. I I, I don't understand what that man does. And well, I, first of all, I just don't think he's a good coach. I think he's. I think he's. There's a there's a very fine line between being aggressive and being reckless, and being aggressive and being smart. And it goes back to my. At some point in the game, you have to go from trying to score points to trying to win the game. And if you're giving the other team opportunities that. You know, makes it easier for them, especially in close games. That's what's going to happen. And, and what does all this have to do with the Giants? Well, they're looking for a coach, right? Yeah. And 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 that's that's all important. So, you know, this is as I as I said last week. This is this is a year to need a coach, in my opinion. Um, there are some very quality names with resumes out there looking for jobs. There are some quality names of guys who deserve to move up. Probably, you know, what is the best course of action for the Giants may not include one of those groups or certain people, but that doesn't mean that they're not worth an interview and a look. I mean, and you know, 
as fans, we can speculate and make guesses. But a head coach is pretty much only as good as the staff he hires in a lot of ways. And since we're not in an interview where we hear what the plan is, who he can bring in, who he can't deliver, a hire means nothing until we see it in action. So, you know, I kind of want to put that out there because I want to start with the hot name for the Giants, and that's Matt Rule. Matt Rule is a guy that I don't know a whole lot about. I know that he has turned around two programs in college that are not particular particular college powerhouses. Baylor more so than Temple, but I get that he has turned around those those fran- those, those franchises, those organizations. However, th- this idea that he demands that he have personnel decisions or complete control and that we should just give that to him from a fan standpoint I don't understand I don't well, first get of that. all first of all do we even know that's even true we don't I mean, know that's that that's not- true but, but I mean the sentiment from beat writers and fans that the Giants should give him that control over the staff it to me is ludicrous this is not a man that brings in incredible talent as a recruiter in college not that he can't I mean, we're not talking about the the Sabins and Myers of of college football recruiting here, right? Yeah, but it's also apples and oranges recruiting versus you know getting guys via free agency and trades in the draft. They're they're two they're complete apples and oranges. I I just he has no track record to base that on for me to say, yeah, sure, you should have that. You should be entitled to that. I mean, Chip Kelly was a fucking disaster in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And he came in, and I don't think he had complete control over his his personnel. From, I, from I, what I, I remember, I, he did at not. At first he didn't, but then he won a power move to get complete control. And, and they were out, even like, worse once he did that. Right, right. If I remember everything correctly. And that was the year that he was fired midseason, right? I want to say that he was given either equal control or given s- – a very significant say in in player, you know, um, roster building, and then he when he was hired, right? And then, but remember though, he came in with a lot of cachet because he sure. built Oregon into a a major powerhouse, and he ran this offense that was kind of like what LSU is right now, where it's just out scheming everybody, regardless of the talent that they have. We'll get to LSU in a minute as we talk about this, but you know. Having there's very very few guys who can come right into the league and have that ability to build a roster and coach at the same time. I mean, Jimmy Johnson is a very very rare exception who got lucky with a a, a mega trade that kind of fell into his lap that really helped you know grease the skids for what he was trying to do, but. Guys that come in with complete control, you know, the, it, it's a whole different ballgame in the NFL than it is in college. And you know, it's it's a 90-hour-a-week job just to be the head coach, and then you're going to pile on additional responsibilities. Look, we were talking about Pat Shermer. We thought he had too much responsibilities calling plays and being a head coach in a three-hour span. This is a whole other level of responsibility. 
I, I agree 100% with you. And and I'm, this isn't supposed to say that I don't think Matt Rule is going to be a good head coach. Like you said at the top of this, we don't even know that that's true that he wants all of that. You know, that is some rumor that we've I've seen around. Yeah, and I think we need to preface this piece going forward with a cup, a lot of grain of salt that need to be taken with every again what you are hearing and what you are reading because it's out it's of bullshit control season again. out there. Yeah. The, the the telephone game is out of control again because you know people even people that we interact with quite regularly on Twitter are saying things that are like no 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 that's not what was said yeah you know you've taken A plus B and made Q out of it. You know, it's these reports you're hearing from insiders or stuff may have a little bit of validity for some things, but people are taking to gospel, you know, the demands and this guy is this is the Giants main target. Uh, We don't know that. I mean, how, you know, these inner circles of uh, front offices and teams, they are pretty much airtight. And. You know, they're the last thing they want to do is leak information like that because it gets them at a disadvantage, disadvantage for negotiating contracts with these coaches, disadvantages for other teams that might be interested in them, all sorts of things. So the only thing you can really base on what you hear is who actually came in for the interview, who comes back for a second interview, how long an interview was. Yeah, all these things. And, you know, it's. I know everybody's racing because they think it's so important to have the, the next coach named ASAP. Um, but, you know, until they go through their due diligence, I mean, people are going to blast Gettleman. I mean, if people who hate Gettleman are going to be in one or two camps, they're going to be like, what's taking him so long? Or why do you hire somebody without talking to anybody else? So it's he's in a damn if he doesn't, damn if he doesn't situation right now. I agree. And also, and one last one last little rant. Just because Ron Rivera signed with Washington and just because Mike McCarthy went to Dallas does not mean that Dave Gettleman whiffed on those two hires. We don't know where they were on their short list, long list, list at all. I don't think Ron Rivera ever interviewed with the Giants ever or had a conversation. McCarthy interviewed with him, but – you know, if the if Gettleman really wanted him, he'd be the Giants' head coach right now. He let him walk out the door without an offer. Yeah, and by, so, and by Gettleman, I mean Mara and Tish have a very strong say in this as well. I mean, we don't yeah, know I, if Marthy, McCarthy went in there and bombed the interview. We don't know that. Right, right. I mean, the owner's ownership ultimately is going to sign off, sign off, or say no on a deal. They're not the ones hiring the. It's the GMs. Due diligence and recommendation. This is who we hire. But you're right. They 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 have a say. They can veto it and say no, or they can you know approve it and, and move on. But this is really is Gettleman's. Well, what I mean by that. Who they're bringing to. What I mean by that is, let's say McCarthy goes in there, and Dave Gettleman says, "I like him." It's Marin Tisha's call, pretty much, to say, "Don't let him leave. Offer him what he needs." Do you know what I mean? I mean, in terms of money and all that, that's it's it's Mara's money. It's Mara yeah. and Tish's money. So if if he says he's the guy, it's up to Mara and Tish to say don't let him leave. In my opinion, anyway, I don't think Dave Gettleman has the authority to offer him. Well, universe. again, as somebody said, I saw on Twitter today, they said something like, 
the Giants should never let Matt Rule leave the building without a signed contract. And I, I responded, I'm like, this is the New York Giants. This is not North Korea. Yeah. I mean, I mean, these coaches are free agents. They have every right to say no. I mean, just because they interview does not mean, you know, you go to the car lot. You look at a car, you test drive it. That doesn't mean you're committing to buying that car. You can turn around and say, nah, don't want it. I mean, he may, they might have had fantastic interviews, but, you know, they might have decided after their diligence about the organization. You know, maybe they have second thoughts about, you know, the, 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 the scouting department, about uh, Daniel Jones, about how the wind blows at MetLife in December, anything that they may turn around and say, I don't, you know, I've changed my mind. So everybody acts like this is like, you know, the world revolves around the Giants and it's our, what we decide we want to do is how everything else is going to react. No, there are 29 or 31 other teams in this league trying to do the exact same thing we're trying to do. And, you know, your job as a, an organization is to make yourself as attractive as possible to the top tier in talent, whether it's coaching, scouting, players, whatever, advertisers. That's all we can do. So don't – if you have a narrative that you don't like – again, if you don't like Gettleman, you're going to spin every situation that happens that this asshole screwed up again. And that's you know, that's your prerogative if that's what you believe, but that's not necessarily the truth or what actually did happen. Yeah. I mean that's absolutely true. And, and – an instant reaction to a hire to me is 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 very silly. Um, you know, personally, I wasn't really in the camp of we should we should be really trying to get Mike McCarthy. Uh, dude has a resume, undoubtedly. I'm just not a fan of what his offensive scheme was in Green Bay. I, I think he's another guy who would have been his nose a little too much into the play sheet. You know, and and I could be wrong about that. And also, is the West Coast offense kind of run its course a little bit in the modern NFL? Well, I mean, I, I think what Ben McAdoo was was a dumbed-down version of what Mike McCarthy is. And quite frankly, I, I've seen enough of that. I, yeah. I, I, I don't I don't believe in it, me. And I believe that without Aaron Rodgers, with your average quarterback in Green Bay, Mike McCarthy probably doesn't have a ring. That's my opinion. Is he a bad coach? Probably not. And you know what? For those on my side of this who don't like Mike McCarthy, don't think for a second that the Cowboys are not a contender right now. I could coach that team better than Jason Garrett. So, you know, I I would say the two things holding back that team were were Dak's limitations as a passer, which he's not a bad quarterback, but he's not a take-you-over-the-top guy, and Jason Garrett's horrible coaching. Mm -hmm. They now have a coach worth his salt. Um, It will be interesting to see if their offense changes. Um, but you know, Dallas is probably the big threat in the NFC East now. I think they are a legit team now that they have a coach who's not a dumbass. Well, let's see. I mean, we're assuming as of Jack today, yeah, yeah, we're assuming he resigns, but until his signature is on the contract, all bets know, are if, off. Man. If, if all bets are off, I mean, if he leaves, I don't know what their plan B is. Nope, me either. And, you know, so let's let's go with the assumption that he is going to resign. Uh, You know, again, I think now we have enough of a track record with Carson Wentz to say, you know, can you rely on him to play a whole season or enough of a season to make an impact? 
And I don't think you can do that right now. No, but I mean, I, I think that Dak Prescott takes care of himself better than Carson Wentz does as a runner. No, 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 no. I was I was saying why I – it's tough to say that Philly is still the team to beat in the oh. NFC East going forward because there are more questions about Carson Wentz, the quarterback, because of health than there is about Dak Prescott because of his oh, I agree. ability yeah, totally. to throw the ball downfield. I, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Basically what I'm saying is I think that Dallas is a 12-4 and four team that was hindered down to – Whatever they ended up being seven and nine or eight and eight or whatever because of head coaching decisions in general and and, and Dak's you think ability. He, you think he's a five win swing? Wow, that's a big big swing. I mean, I was yeah, saying, you know, I, 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 I mean, think Pat Shermer I thought was a bad coach, and I was saying that this team probably wasn't a four win team. I thought they were more like six or seven. Mm-hmm. You know. Five is. I don't think that. I I think that one thing Pat Shermer had over Jason Garrett was that players continued to play for him. I think that this Dallas team quit, and I think that in the past they have quit for Jason Garrett. Uh, that's. I don't buy that. I mean, you don't buy. They that. were they were in a playoff hunt up until the last week of the season. They had to win that last game. They won that last game. I don't buy that. I, don't I know. just think that. I just think they underachieved. I, I just think they have been underachieving. I mean, yes, I think coaching has a part to do with it, but I don't think he was the, you know, a five-game swing. Jeez, that's that's a huge. I mean, games were I mean, okay. Actually, coach, no, coaching you're, you're, coaching impacts you more when you lose close games and when you just lose. I mean, they got blown out of some games. They blew out other teams. I don't know how much. His in-game decision-making made a five-game swing over the course of the year. I will add one more limitation that that roster seriously has, and that's the continued approach to go boom or bust on on, on players. Their defense has been overloaded with guys who keep getting suspended, and it has bit them year after year after oh, year. Sure. And I well, think that that has also um, – Limited them, and whether that's that's something that could have been foreseen or not. I mean, certainly with Randy Gregory, you knew that. Certainly with Greg as, Hardy, you knew that. But I think as long as Jerry Jones is the owner slash GM, he's going to want to create a buzz. He wants to, you know, it's as important for him to be the first topic on Skip Bayless and all the talking head shows as it is to win. I mean. That's the cowboy brand. Always keep talking about it. Make sure you're on primetime six nights a year because more people watch because they're interested in that team. So that's what you're going to get. And it doesn't matter who the coach is for that. You're, I agree. You know, these, these guys will be brought in because they are going to create content about the team. And boomer bust because some of them will pay some short-term dividends too. But sure. in the long run, you're right. They inhibit long-term growth of a team and long-term potential for success. The Redskins hired Ron Rivera, which is another in-division in um, vacancy that was taken up by a very qualified head coach. Um, he was certainly my first name off the tongue of guys I would like to interview. I don't believe he ever met with the Giants or even spoke to them. Um, but Washington moved fast, and and – I, I saw a little rumblings of the sentiment of, of impatience among Giants fans on Twitter, and I, I get that. I get that because you just watched a weekend of good football, 
and your team's <laughs> out of it, and you're wondering what the hell are we doing, and I get that. But to me, it's folly for Washington to have bit at the first coach. No other interviews. Well, if that's the guy they were targeting, that's the guy they're targeting. And you know something? They fired their coach in the middle of the season. That's true. So they can they can put themselves in position to be the first guy to talk to him. I I, I think in this off season, with the the names out there, the candidates, the potential, I think I I am happy that the Giants are doing as many interviews as they're doing. They're doing a bunch too. Oh, I agree. I I think so too because I don't think there's any clear cut guy that they want. And I think like going back to Washington, I think they wanted Ron Rivera, and you know. They got rid of their coach, so they had the opportunity to jump on the first guy available if he was available. Rivera holy getting fuck, fired. What was that like week five? That was a long time ago. It was a couple of weeks after we beat them the first time, so that might have been. That was week four that we beat them. So it was before uh, Halloween. <sighs> I mean, that's that's early yeah. on. But they put themselves in a the position where you know they can have to jump on everybody else to interview whoever's out there. Now the guy that they wanted. Got launched also before the season is out, so he became available to speak. So, you know, the Giants, you know, or any team is not going to talk to anybody until they fire their head coach. Now, for all those who know me on Twitter at the Cranky Fan, you know I'm a big Florida Gator, and everybody knows my despise of our former athletic director, Jeremy Foley. But he did say something once that to this day I hold very true. What has to be done eventually should be done immediately. True. If you've made the decision that you're going to launch your coach, you're going to fire him, you're done, fire him. Because there's no point in having him hang around, especially when your season's lost and it's over. You know, Washington launched their coach. They they put themselves in position to be the first to talk to whoever. They got the guy they want. Now, if Rivera doesn't last in Washington and is a failure, that doesn't matter. They proactively went, made themselves available in the market, and they got who they perceived as the guy that they wanted. You know, you will hear whoever we hire, this is the guy we wanted all along, blah, blah, blah. It, who they hire may not be their first choice because there was other competition for that job. And Giant fans, stop with the – this isn't an uh, – a you know, an ideal job anymore, or it's not an attractive position anymore. Every NFL head coaching job is an attractive job. I was going to say that there are only 32 of them. It's an attractive job. Yeah. I mean, and now you're talking about a top, what? Nine times out of 10. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, you are being hired because your team has underachieved and they need a new head coach to make something better. So you're not dealing in ideal situations. I mean, very rare is it that, you know, a Bill Belichick is retiring and they need to bring somebody else in or, you know, Jerry, uh, Jimmy Johnson gets fired because of a crazy, you know, relationship with Jerry Jones and you can inherit a, a Super Bowl team. When you're getting hired on the job market, all these teams are out there, Cleveland, Washington, Giants, Dallas, all these, they are all in different levels of distress. So stop with, you know, beating yourselves over the head about, oh, this is an attractive job, an attractive organization. As soon as this team starts winning again, it'll be right there, right back again. And it's all cyclical. 
And they will it's, come back. it is still the New York market. It will always be the New York market. Yeah. The Jets are a joke. But you know something? Coaches line up to be the head coach of the Jets. That's all for part one of our episode on the head coaching search. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump. He's at the cranky fan and the podcast is available on all platforms, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google play, etc. Go giants. <laughs> <laughs>